It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. I do want to make a correction first off. I guess I was just overcome with emotion and grief on last Sunday when TJ and I were on. I just want to go ahead and indicate, yes, I know 2010 was the year that they went ahead and beat the Boston Celtics. And 2009 was the year Dwight Howard's free-throwing helped the Lakers win in 2009. I got them flip-flopped. Obviously, it was a very emotional day, and it was not having my head in the right place. So I do apologize for the mix-up on that. But I want to thank everyone out there who passed along their well wishes to us and the millions of people out there who just wanted to go ahead and express their feelings over the course of last week because it was a tough week for everyone that was a basketball fan, especially Lakers fans and the Lakers organization, you know, obviously ended up with a Friday night, very tough loss to Portland Trailblazers where Dame Lillard absolutely went off, but uh, they more than made up for it on Saturday with a great win. Well, at least a great first half against Sacramento where they just totally shot the ball just through the roof, three pointers left and right. It was raining three pointers. It was a very great spectacle to see. In fact, 81 was the halftime score for the Lakers. Very poignant, very poetic. So let's hope it goes into a great week for the Lakers. Obviously, the trade deadline is a major concern. Tuesday, the game against San Antonio. A lot of things to talk about. And here back again with me today is the good man indeed. You got to check out what he's doing and all the other great people at Lakerholics.net because the conversation starts right there when it concerns the Los Angeles Lakers. You have to be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net because it's run by a great man indeed. He's right here. I know him as Tom Wong. I usually call him Laker Tom. This week I might just try calling him Trader Tom with all the talk that he's doing with his articles on Medium.com as well. And Trader Tom, it's great to have you back on the program. Good to be here, Gerald. I'm so sorry about your Niners, my friend. Uh, it just, unfortunately, too much Mahomes. Too much Mahomey. Not enough Garoppolo. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, as the, the game progressed, one quarterback overcame his obstacles and overcame his shakiness in the earlier part of the game to go ahead and prosper in the second half. And unfortunately, the other one didn't. It was quite the opposite. It started to go ahead and fold under the pressure. So it's kind of disappointing to see from San Francisco 49ers end. But if you're a Kansas City fan in Missouri, where they play. Or Kansas. Yeah, well, or Kansas, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of like, you know, brotherly, sisterly there. But I won't go there on why I said that. But I think everybody knows why. Kansas City, 
they deserve it. They played well, and obviously they pulled it out. I think they liked coming back from behind because they did it in almost every playoff game. So it was just very interesting to see what went on there. Obviously, you've got a great foundation for the future in San Francisco. So a lot of things to look forward to there. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I've sort of been uh, hot and cold on the 49ers the last couple of years, and most of my effort really has been spent with the Lakers and the Yankees. Um, but I was hoping that this year would be their year. It's a shame, you know. I don't know whether uh, I still haven't gotten past the the coaching decisions that were made in the end of the game and and uh, the ability of uh, Mahomes to come through in a couple of some very clutch plays. The big loss for me was that wide-open pass that was overthrown that really could have iced it for the 49ers. And, you know, and, and we just we just got away from our game plan. You know, we lost confidence in our ability to be able to run the ball. And, uh, you know, that, that last three and out, the first three and out that we had in the entire game uh, really was, was the killer. Uh, I thought there were a couple of times that plays that I just didn't understand. You know, I thought there was definitely an offsides on the uh, – on the Chiefs and the one play uh, that they, I thought that was a free play and it turned out nobody called the offsides. Um, and then the delay of game. I mean, I can't believe that uh, that Shanahan didn't call timeout there. And then the refs didn't call the delay of game and that was a killer. But credit to the Chiefs, you know, they came back three times and that's how you win a championship. That's how you win the Super Bowl. Even his own GM was wondering why he didn't call a timeout near the end of the first half. And to me, that's something I do or I think about when it comes to the end of the game at football or the, you know, whether it's college or pro, I am more of the, I will have the time on the clock. I will take those timeouts up front and then I will see where the ball plays. I know some of those coaches like to do it at the very last minute or whatnot. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm doing it with two minutes left. I'm doing it with, you know, just, I'm trying to save as much time on the clock as possible because anything can happen. You get conservative. Getting conservative when you're ahead in a game like the Super Bowl, as Shanahan's found for the second time in his career, is uh, is not the way to approach the game. You know, you either you have to go out there and you've really got to play the game to win. You can't play the game to not lose. And I think the 49ers paid the price for doing that. That they let's, did. That, let's, move on. let's move on to another subject. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, the Lakers are like I said, they, they are still in mourning. There's still a lot of grief going on. And I know there's still going to be stuff going on in regards to Kobe. In fact, you know, they're already prepared. The team is wherever they go to hear the Kobe chants and to see the Kobe videos and tributes and things of that nature. They're prepared for that. Like they did in Sacramento. And there's going to be a memorial service at some point in time down the line. And I know there's still more grief going on, but business has to be at hand because the Lakers have until Thursday if they want to go ahead and make a move as far as the trade deadline is concerned. So I ask you, my friend, this is what's going on, and this is what's going on down. A lot of people have speculated on where players are going to be ending up. You know, there's a lot of names being bandied around. D'Angelo Russell, Clint Capella, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Derek Rose. The list seemingly has no ends. So there's a lot of things to talk about when it concerns the trade deadline. I want to ask you first off, I know you've been, like I said before, on your medium.com site where you go ahead and you run a lot of articles and you write a lot of articles there. 
you become not Laker Tom, but Trader Tom, because you're proposing all these trades. Some of them I, I'm for, some of them I'm kind of against. The fact is, you know, when it, well, the first question I'm going to throw at you is obviously a lot of it centers around Kyle Kuzma as the major trading chip, the major asset piece in this whole equation. Some of the trades that you're proposing, some of the trades that are being proposed out there are not going to make the Lakers substantially better. Some of them are just trades to make trades. So I ask you, my friend, what are you expecting as far as Kuzma? Are you expecting Kuzma to go or are you expecting Kuzma to stay after the Thursday NBA trading deadline? You know, I have mixed feelings about it and I, I go up and down, you know, uh, I'm not afraid to propose trades. Uh, and I think I look at trades from a standpoint, probably more of a fan than, than let's say, an uh, a, a, uh, objective observer, if you will. So I, I never try to put myself out as somebody who is looking at the situation entirely unbiased and uh, so forth. Uh, so to me, we obviously have two major problems with our roster of construction at this point in time. Number one is that we don't have a secondary playmaker when LeBron sits, and that's really costing us you know, in games, even the game against the Sacramento Kings the other day. You know, you turn around and a 22-point lead turns into a 14-point lead the minute that Rondo comes onto the court. Rondo has a net rating of 2.0. For being in the games this is a team that you know has 30 something wins and just you know 11 losses and when you're sitting there and every single player on the team has a very strong net rating almost all the way up the line till you get down to number 11 which is rondo who's barely making a contribution and usually a negative contribution when he's in there i think only a fool is praying for playoff rondo so that's our major first problem and the second problem is well, is I'm that, glad to uh, see you came around on playoff Rondo because I know before yeah, this I've been started. there for quite a while. I, I thought he, I was really supportive of him the first 14 games of the season because he played really well. Then he got hurt, and since he's gotten hurt, it's been bad. And the problem is he doesn't have any gravity when he's out there behind the three-point line, and he just dribbles the clock out and wastes time. The second problem we've got is that we don't have anybody who can guard guys like Kawhi, Paul George, Giannis. Dame Lillard seems to be a problem, and that's something that's come up in the past couple of games with both Damian Lillard and also as well Ben Simmons. Is the perimeter right. defense is not exactly up to par, and you know I'm not asking you to hold these guys to you know ten points or whatnot, but just something below their average is something that we're looking at. And I understand Damian Lillard is on a hot streak, unlike anything else in his career. But still, you got to hold them down when you get a chance. And unfortunately, there were several points of time where the Lakers got exposed uh, on the perimeter by Damian Lillard. And then on Saturday, a week ago Saturday, against Ben Simmons. So I find that a little bit troubling as far as perimeter defense is also concerned. Well, I think you got to separate those two things, uh, Gerald. First off, I think nobody could stop Dame Lillard. The, you know, the way that he was shooting the ball and, and so forth, I think that's a whole separate problem. You run into those things. You run into guys who have Kobe nights, you know, and when you have a Kobe night, it doesn't matter who's guarding you. It's not going to happen. But our problem is is the larger wing players, the larger guards and the larger wing players, guys like, like Simmons, uh, guys like Kawhi, definitely Paul George. We don't have – Danny Green is probably the guy that we were counting on to be that type of defender. 
But Danny Green's more of a guy who's got quick hands and gets a lot of steals, but he's not going to stop anybody one-on-one, and he gets blown by left and right. So you need to have somebody who's basically like Iguodala, you know, who's a guy who can really hump onto some guy and stick with him, even a guy like LeBron. Um, and we don't have that defender. So you got two big holes in, in the lineup. Then you've got a then you've got a complication from the Kobe situation because I mean, boy, watching watching how, you know, watching how how much the emotions from guys like Quinn Cook and so forth, and then thinking about trading players on this team. There's a lot of sentiment, uh, especially on Lakerholics.net, to stand pat simply because LeBron says we don't need another piece. And the, the roster, the roster has such great chemistry. And and everybody basically on the roster has contributed at points and times, including Rondo. You know, there's been a few games that Rondo's won for us. There's a few games that Cook's won for us. The same for Daniels. Same even for Dudley. You know, you go down the lineup, but and everybody on that team has such great chemistry that there's a fear of of making a change to do that. Are the Lakers going to make a deal? I think they have to, uh, simply because even right now we're talking about three teams in the upper echelon of the league, which are basically the Lakers, Clippers, and the Bucks. I don't see how the Clippers are not going to do something. So if you go, if you stand pat, you're going to end up being behind. So you Lakers have to do something. And I think a great deal of it hinges on, on Darren Collison. You know, he's really the key to this whole thing. Because if we get Collison, we could basically stand pat with the rest of the team. Because he would solve what is the major problem, which is having that person behind LeBron. And then we just have to hope to be able to shut down the other players on teams. And, you know, we started to do that for, uh, a little late for Dame, but basically you've got to get the ball out of the guy's hands like that. I I really felt that was our strat that was a proper strategy to use against Kawhi. It's the proper strategy to use against Giannis. You basically and and if you really play a defense well and rotate, you know we've done that well against Harden, and and it's a strategy that you basically have to use because there are certain guys in the league like Dame Lillard when he's hot that you just can't stop. So basically what you got to do is you got to take the ball out of their hands. Are there moves to be made? There's a, there's a dearth of buyers and there's a lot of sellers. We've seen fewer trades since summer than any season that's been in the last five or six seasons. And I, I suspect we're not going to see anything like the end of free agency of summer where all of a sudden there were trades flying left and right. Um, the asking price that people want are just ridiculous. There were 28 yeah. trades during the trade period last year, just to give you a heads right. up. I don't think it's going to match that. I'm not even going to get close. I'd be surprised if we had double digits in trades, uh, and especially if you were just looking at the, the key ones. Rob Polink has got a tough job. You know, he's, he's really in a tough spot. He doesn't have many trading chips. Uh, he's got three guys that can't be traded without their permission, so he's not going to mess with those guys. He's got no draft picks other than maybe a, a second rounder in 2023 to offer people, and he's got two big roster needs. This is when you earn your money as a GM yeah. or vice president or president of basketball operations or whatever he is today. Yeah, and he just lost his best friend and his goddaughter, you know, so. Exactly. Um I, I tell you, I feel I feel really confident though. I've been a big proponent of, of Rob's, and I think that I think he sees the situation we're in, and I think he sees that we have to do something. 
I don't think he's at all afraid because I think the reasons behind the great chemistry that we have aren't dependent upon anybody who might be traded. You know, that, that chemistry comes from the way that the organization has been put together by Rob, the coaching staff, the way that they have run things, and the involvement of the two superstars. I think what, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said about Collison. I think that obviously we've been in touch with his agent. He's a free agent, so there's nothing preventing us from picking up the phone. And I think that if we have a certain strong feeling that we're going to get Collison and we can pay him more than than the Clippers can, we can pay him almost double what the Clippers can because we can use that exception that we got for DeMarcus Cousins' injury. And if you... If you start looking at the Collison situation, you realize we have a 15-man roster. So even if they were to sign Collison, someone is going to have to get cut, do a trade. And there's a couple of there's a couple of variations of trades that are out there that that I think makes sense. You know, and one of them involves Kuzma, which is Kuzma for Bielitsa. Bielitsa to me, the thing I like about Bielitsa is he's a pure 40 percent three-point shooter. He's a much better shooter than Kuzma. He's a better defender than Kuzma. He's a better rebounder than Kuzma, and he's a better playmaker than Kuzma. Well, if you uh, say that, the Kings would be a lot better, wouldn't they? Well, between him and Bogdanovich, who everybody is propping LeBron up there. The Kings don't have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's the big difference. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 would, I like that trade because you could get a two-for-one trade. You could just trade Cook, Cook plus Kuzma for – Bielitsa. And then that basically you use that other that other roster spot for Collison. So it's basically a trade to you end up with Collison and Bielitsa uh, for Kuzma and uh, uh, and Cook. The other trade that I think makes sense to me is uh, Iguodala. Um, I would trade Danny Green and Daniels for Iguodala and Collison in that same mold. I think uh, the two biggest... What- well, that's one thing I want to ask you because Iguodala mm-hmm. is the name that keeps coming up because he's currently not playing on Memphis. Right. And the fact is that he's 35 years old, has not played the entire season, has yep. never agreed a good three-point shooter, will make the clutch shot after missing 10 in a row like he did in the finals last year. So I ask you, it's only about ready to get worse from there when it comes to Iguodala. Uh, and, of course, maybe, you're only – maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe, maybe the time off, maybe the time off, as Iggy says, has resurrected his career, All and right. he feels he can play for another couple of years. It's done. It's like LeBron. The time off on LeBron basically had a tremendous benefit. Wow. Iggy's been doing the same thing for four years, five years in a row now in the playoffs. Heavy. Well, you've, you're betting uh, a lot on a 35 year old. Well, matching I'm also, up against, I'm also, matching up against also, Kawhi, matching up against uh, all those other great players as well that you're you're going to send him out against. Well, let me put it this way: at his best, his defense is superior to anything the Lakers have, including Danny Green. He's a true guy who can be a shutdown defender. The Lakers would not make a trade for him without interviewing him, working him out, and making sure that he really was in great shape, like he says he is, and ready to come back. If he's anywhere um, near at the level that he was during the title runs in Golden State, that's the key. That's that has to be. You can't get an Iguodala. If he was, then he's worth making that trade. And again, it's a two for one trade where you're taking Collison. You know, you get Collison and and uh, Iggy basically for Green, and then you still get to keep Kuzma in that situation. 
those are trades that aren't going to really shake the entire foundation of the roster. They're trades that would fill some of the some or all of the Lakers' uh, dire needs for the roster construction. They'd get them that that elite defender that they need. Um, and the same thing is true of Collison. He hasn't played for for six months too. So you got to make sure that when you make a deal with Collison that that he's in shape and he can come and contribute. Good point. And I'm assuming that in both of these situations that these players would pass muster. They would be worked out. The coaches would be happy with them. The, you know, the medical staff would be comfortable with them. Those are the kind of moves that I think make sense to me to move. As to what I really expect, almost never do any of the trades that show up in the blogs or show up in the news actually ever happen. Most of the trades that go through actually get dropped on us and everybody says, wow, look at that, you know, where'd that come from? From Paul Gasol on down the line, you know. So uh, I think the biggest thing that I have is a lot of confidence in Rob Palenka to make the right decisions. Um, I like the moves he's made in the past. I think he's done a terrific job assembling this roster. He has a good sense of building an, uh, a chemistry, a roster that has the kind of character in the players that that really can mold together and, and form an, a cohesive team. And I fully expect that he's going to do something. I just don't know what. Well, with Iguodala, I know Memphis is asking for a first-rounder, and that's something the Lakers do not have in their pocket unless you want to consider No, but they got Danny not. Green in the second-rounder, and Danny Green, and they want the number eight spot. They know Iggy's not going to play, but Danny Green would be a perfect fit for them. But I know if that's the case, I'm sure they would probably consider offers as well from other teams if that's all you're going to give them is a 32-year-old Danny Green. So I understand Danny well, yeah, Green's still a, a good player. An expiring contract for Harkless, an expiring contract for Harkless in the first round is not going to be as attractive as Danny Green in the second round. Well, I'm playing devil's advocate on you on all these things. So yeah. that's, that, that's the way the GMs are going to be over the course of the next week. I mean, I offer you something, you blow yep. it back up in my face and say, call me back. I offer you something right. else, you say, not a chance. <laughs> I offer you something yep. way overboard, you say, oh, let's talk now. So it's right. going to be something like that over the course of the next few days until it gets close to the trade deadline. Then you have GMs sweating it out. And the GMs that really need to make a trade for whatever reasons, those are the deals that may slip under the radar that may be the difference between a team really producing and, and a team really not producing or right next to the trade deadline. Those are the ones I, I really want to see because those are the ones that are executed in haste. They're not always yeah. double-sided. Some Those have a tendency to be more one-sided than any of the other trades that we see. So I'm looking forward to that whole week. Uh, well, this whole week, when it concerned right. the NBA trade deadline, uh, a lot of things going on right now with you know the rumors and all the, the stuff that's out there. One thing I do want to tell fans out there before we head on out is that the, the, I know there's a lot of things that are being said out there from these experts, from these journalists, from these podcasts that you're listening to out there as far as NBA hardcore fans are concerned. One of the things you're hearing is bird rights retaining bird rights. Oh, this guy doesn't have a bird rights. Oh, the team won't get his bird rights. I want to make sure everybody understands what are bird rights. And bird rights, basically, it stems from, yes, Larry Bird dealing with a contract situation with the Boston Celtics a long time ago. Basically, it's something that's now done in the collective bargaining agreement and also with the players and the owners and it's been formally set up. Bird rights, uh, you know, according to, I'm going to go ahead with sportslingo.com. I'm going to use their exact termination here. So I'm going to quote them. 
Bird rights is a term used to describe attacking an NBA free agency or trading or trading where a team is allowed to exceed the salary cap at the maximum salary in order to sign one of their own players. That's something that a lot of people need to understand when it concerns the lingo that's going on right now, because you're going to hear a lot about those two words, bird rights. You know, if they trade a player and they the team can still retain the bird rights, or if they can't, because if they can't, that makes a lot of difference, especially to those tax-strapped teams, those that are over or close to the tax, if they cannot retain these players, if they don't have their bird rights. So that's something very important and key to listen to down the road over the next few days, whether a team is going to trade for a player that they can keep their bird rights because it, it helps these teams for the long term if they want to go ahead and re-sign these players with so yeah, I just want to go ahead and give a heads up because and yeah, I hear all this bird rights this, bird rights that, and nobody's explaining really what bird rights are. Player has to, has to stay with a team for three years in order to earn his bird rights. And bird rights don't do anything to help a team avoid luxury taxes. But what they do is they allow an exemption so that they, they can basically pay the guy whatever they want. It allows them to go over the cap. It doesn't prevent them from making taxes. They can go over the cap, even they can go into a luxury tax situation, but it still doesn't prevent them or avoid them from paying the luxury tax. So a team like the Lakers, for example, the Lakers uh, signed uh, DeMarcus Cousins to a one-year deal. If they sign him to a two-year deal next year, next summer, then he would have a three-year contract, and at the end of that contract, they would have his bird rights. They could then sign him to whatever amount they want, regardless of where they, how over the cap the cap doesn't even matter to them. It would put them into luxury tax if they gave them a big contract, then they'd still have to pay the luxury tax, but they would be able to go ahead and sign him no matter what. So bird rights are really important from that standpoint. And when you sign a free agent, you don't get his bird rights. That's why a lot of these teams made these sign and trade deals because they still have the bird rights for the guys. So they go. So if you trade for D'Angelo Russell, you got his bird rights. So that's why bird rights are truly important in this week right. when it concerns training for a player or not training for a player. So definitely this is going to be something a lot of that we're going to go into more. I'm going to have more shows coming up before and also after the trade deadline. So we can go ahead and talk more about it. The rumors are hot and heavy you got to go ahead and be a part of the conversation to check out all the stuff that Tom is posting there at Lakerholics.net because there's a lot of great stuff going on there. I do want to go ahead and mention i got a good friend, Jessica Boggs, from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She just messaged me that the Friday game was huge. It was the number one program on cable. Almost 4.5 million people were watching the game. Over two rating, which is just obscene in these days and ages for cable television. So that shows you the kind of love that people had for Kobe. It's been one of the few highlights of last week is seeing everybody rallying around the great spirit of Kobe. And before we head on out, Tom, I want you to go ahead and not only talk about what's going on with Lakerholics.net, but seeing some of the, the spirit that Laker fans have shown over the past seven days plus. It's been a tough period of time for all Laker fans, as you said, Gerald. And it, it, it was hard to get back into that first game. I felt the players really played well. Um, you know, it almost was like Damian Lillard was more uh, enthused because of the game and, and the sort of the comparisons at times of, of his play being Kobe-esque. But I thought we got back on the next game and, and did very well. I think one of the interesting things that 
that really stood out to me. And I think we're going to see this as we move on during the season. And it probably is going to take a while for the Lakers to, to really get grounded, you know, and probably not going to see the team in business back to usual until after the all-star break. You know, there's still going to be the ceremony. There's got to be some ceremony for, for his passing. And, and we've got the trade deadline coming up. And so things are going to be a little unsettled, but I think that, once we get moving on, we saw a passing of the guard last Friday. We saw LeBron James basically take the torch from Kobe Bryant. And it was kind of kind of a major event for Laker fans and for the Lakers as a franchise. That Saturday before the tragic accident on Sunday, LeBron had actually passed Kobe as the number three scorer in league history. And Kobe had sent him a congratulatory call telling him, you know, it's all on to you, you know, you take over now. And then on Sunday, LeBron comes out there and he basically, you know, he basically, the team had a meeting and nobody would speak up. And finally LeBron said, okay, let me take the lead here. And he pretty much said that I'm going to take the mantle from Kobe. I'm going to take this legacy of Kobe and the Lakers. And I'm going to, I'm going to take over that spot and I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy who's going to lead the Lakers to championships. There were some great articles uh, written about that whole event happening and LeBron finally becoming a Laker, LeBron finally bleeding purple and gold. And just a true sense that, that you know, how fortunate we were that when we lost an icon to the franchise that was part of every Laker fan's life for 20 years, thank God we had LeBron James there to to take over, you know, and not many teams have had somebody to be able to come in and take over like that. And when you look at the ironies of, of this happening, this horrible, tragic accident happening a day after LeBron took over the number three spot and then, and then Kobe and Gianni, you know, you, it's just one of those things that, you know, as horrible and tragic as it is, you hope somewhere in your heart that, that, it's going to turn out all right. You know, that, that, that basically this is going to be something that will ignite it. I know a lot of, I, I, we had a lot of controversy on the site because I basically wrote an article that, that pretty much said that the Lakers are going to win this for Kobe. And I truly believe that. I think we're not going to see it right away, but I think by the time we get to the end of the year, you know, every huddle that the Lakers have is going to be ended by one, two, three Mamba not one, two, three defense, not one, two, three Lakers, but one, two, three Mamba. And the feeling that the team is going to have, even if there are some trades in it happening, is going to be that LeBron is out to win this one for Kobe. AD is out to win this one for Kobe. The entire organization is out to win it for Kobe. Now, maybe the storybook ending doesn't happen because this, this is not always Hollywood. And sometimes things just don't come out the way that the screenwriters would like them to come out. But I truly believe in my heart that the Lakers are going to win this championship for Kobe Bryant. Well, let's hope they do. It's going to be a very interesting week. Not only do the Lakers have the NBA trade deadline this week to worry about, but they also have three games. They're hosting San Antonio on Tuesday, hosting also as well Houston later in the week, and then heading off on Saturday to Golden State near your neck of the woods, my friend. I just want to let you know, Tickets are at a bargain price of starting at $156. <laughs> I 
if you want to go ahead and check them out, hopefully they'll lead to a great win over Golden State later on this weekend. But, you know, all kidding aside, that's not even a drop of water compared to the prices people play, paid at the Super Bowl, including an $85 crab cocktail. What's going on with that? That's pretty amazing. You know, I remember back to the very first Super Bowl, and the reason I remember it so clearly is my son was born on the day of the first Super Bowl. And for those who don't remember or weren't around here back then, 54 years ago or whatever it was, the Super Bowl wasn't live. It was tape delayed at midnight. My son was born at 1054 because the doctor wanted to make sure he could get back to his house in order to watch the replay of the game on pay-per-view. We've come a long way since then in the ticket prices, uh, the cocktail prices and everything else. So it's, uh, you know... And, and and January 15th now is stretched out to be February 2nd or whatever, February 3rd. Well, the so, first, that's also uh, $13 for a ticket to get to the game. Yeah. I haven't been to the Chase Center yet. I, I've uh, almost every year I go to two or three games at Chase Center only when the Lakers are in town. And I do have to say, uh, at least in Oakland, uh, it was always a very, very good crowd. And they're also was always a lot of Laker fans there. So, Of course, the price of Chase Center, because it's all brand spanking new, right. everything has got to go up in price. You know, That's just the way it is. But it's so funny to see everything going on with all these prices and all this money thrown out there. You know, Tom, for next year, if we get like $6 million you know, between us together, we just get that. We <laughs> can go ahead and get our own 30-second ad for the Lakers fast break on the next Super Bowl. How about that? That would be pretty cool. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, you know, if you want to go ahead and send us a message and you have a question or a comment or your own trade scenario that you want to talk about, because I will be going on again this week with a lot of hopefully some more great guests. You want to go ahead and go and send us a message at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Or you can also send your conversation or your questions right over to Lakerholics.net. Go over there. Get yourself a login, be part of the conversation today, leave your questions there, your comments. It's just a great mix of different opinions and different ideas. None of it's harsh. People usually are very good to each other from what I see. And I'll tell you what, it's just everybody's just excited what's coming up for the Lakers this week. And, you know, just the conversation's flowing right now, hot and heavy. Now that everybody's back for kind of, as best as they can from, you know, trying to go ahead and memorializing Kobe. And that will obviously continue even on Lakerholics.net. Still, the ideas and trade opinions and things that the Lakers should and should not do, it's really flown hard at Lakerholics.net, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a good week and, and lots of great stories about Kobe. Lots of sharing of Laker memories. Uh, everybody has their own special memories they remember from Kobe's career and so forth. And and it, it it's good to finally get past where you know your emotions aren't so raw that you can you can even talk about it now without having to break down into tears. So I'm looking forward to moving on. I'm looking forward to the Lakers going out and winning them for Kobe. I'm hoping that the Lakers can finish the month of February with an 11 game winning streak as they head into March. That would be the best way to honor Kobe Bryant would be to go out there with a Mamba mentality and play every game as hard as he would have. Couldn't agree with you more on that. Well, Trader Tom, uh, excuse me, Laker Tom, although again this week, you could be Trader Tom. We'll go ahead and check out what you're doing today on your medium.com website, plus also as well, 
lakerholics.net. So be part of the conversation today at lakerholics.net. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you once again. You're welcome to pop on anytime this week if you want to talk more trades. If the Lakers do any trades, I'm sure you want to go ahead and you'll get itching to come back on the show. So we can go ahead and set something up if the Lakers go ahead and makes the moves that really we're talking about. I look forward to the NBA trade deadline. It's my second favorite NBA time of the year, right behind the NBA playoffs, because it's just so fun to see all that stuff going down and who's going to trade, who's not going to trade. It's just always cool to see what that's like over the course of next week. So I'm looking forward to it, and I know you are too. And I know everybody else out there is curious to see what's going on with the NBA trades, who's going to make the trades, who's not, and what the Lakers are going to do. So we'll give you the heads up on that right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.